Would you please open your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verses 13 to 21, a message entitled, Seduced by Wealth, Luke chapter 12, verses 13 to 21, would you stand for the reading of God's Word? Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge and an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would send forth your word and change us, change our minds, change our affections, change our habits. Lord, I pray that you would move in such a way that we would truly express with our actions and our very lives that our treasure is in Jesus Christ. So help us to do that. Teach us, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. may be seated. In this section of the Gospel of Luke, we've been looking at the teachings of Jesus. Remember, we looked at the powerful works of Jesus, His miracles, uh, all the way up to chapter 9, verse 51, and now we're in a section moving towards Jerusalem, and Luke is focusing on the teachings of Jesus. And we looked at seven weeks on prayer, what Jesus says about prayer. And we're going to look over the next five or six weeks or so on what Jesus says about money and possessions. How you view your wealth and what you do with your wealth is of great concern to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when we start talking about money, usually people start saying, well, We're talking about 
time, treasure, or time, talent, and treasure, right? And what we want to do is mitigate what the Bible says about money because we get really uncomfortable talking about money. And the reality is our money says what we treasure. Now, our time does too, and how we use our talents, it does too. But Jesus says more about money and possessions than anything. Over 2,300 verses in the Bible deal with how to think about money, how to spend money, save money, all of these things. And when we're looking at this passage, we want to clear up a few things from the beginning. Wealth is not bad, okay? There's nothing evil in money in and of itself. There's nothing inherently evil. But there are serious warnings that come when we're talking about wealth. The Apostle Paul says by the Holy Spirit, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, he gives instructions for the wealthy, for the rich. And he says in verse 17 of chapter 6, 1 Timothy, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. So it's not a sin to be wealthy. Riches in and of themselves are not sinful, but we need to be warned. Jesus doesn't prohibit wealth, but he warns in this passage. The ESV study Bible says about this passage, it says, though this passage does not prohibit wealth, Jesus clearly warns his hearers concerning the dangerous eternal implications of wealth with its seductive tendency towards complacency, self-sufficiency, and covetousness. So I want to look at two things today. The danger every one of us faces and the decision every one of us must make. The danger that every single one of us faces. And we live in a country that is a very wealthy country and by the world's standards, most of us, almost all of us, would be considered rich. So don't think because you don't see yourself as rich and wealthy that, oh, this isn't talking about you. This is talking about every single one of us. Because even if we don't have great wealth now, it could be that we're lured by it. We want to attain it. And so this is a danger that every single one of us faces. 
The decision that we must make comes out of the passage as well. So really, we're going to explain the passage and then give an application of the passage. Just really simple, break it down in two sections. So let's look now at the danger every one of us faces. Well, what is the danger? The danger is being seduced by wealth. Seduced by wealth into loving money, into desiring it, desiring to be rich, desiring to have security by it, desiring to have fame and fortune because of it, desiring for people to see us differently because we have it. Even the problem that we have of not wanting to let go of it because we see in it a security that we're longing for. We we don't want to be seduced by wealth, and that's why Jesus gives us this passage here in the Gospel of Luke. Look at verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you. There's someone in the crowd who who asks a question and Jesus responds to him saying, I'm not going to get involved into this personal situation, this family squabble. This is is not what I came to do. I I came to redeem. I came to set free. But I'm going to give a warning because this is relevant for everyone. When our son Henry was uh, going into, I think it was kindergarten or pre-K or something, we went into uh, the school to the meet, meet the teacher meeting, and, and Henry asked the question, this little bitty boy, he looked up and asked the question, he said, do you have any chocolate in here? And the teacher was, oh, not, no, we don't have any chocolate. He, Henry said, because if you do, I can sniff it out. Well, Jesus smells something in this young man's question. He smells greed, covetousness. Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. It could be that the brother is the firstborn son and has the rights of the inheritance, and it could be that he has the double portion of the inheritance, and the younger brother doesn't think it's fair, and he wants Jesus to encourage him or tell him, instruct him to share the inheritance, because that would be what's right. But Jesus smells covetousness. And so he uses the opportunity as a platform to teach everyone. Look at verse 15. And he said to them, to the crowd, to everyone who is there. He said, take care and be on your guard. These are imperatives. He's giving a warning. Take care. Take heed. Be on your guard against all covetousness or all forms of covetousness, greediness. Let me give you a definition of greed. 
greed, the drive to increase one's bank account and to defend it at all costs is among the most destructive of, for, of spiritual forces. It regularly creates conditions of contentiousness, incivility, and alienation. It flows from that darkest part of our beings that believes that we will never have enough, that money is the solution to all problems, and that wealth is the key to our personal value as people. A quote from Gordon MacDonald. Greed is associated with idolatry in Ephesians and Colossians. Having to have something, having to have more, wanting more. It's this desire for more. And Jesus says, take care and be on your guard against all forms of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. In other words, one's life is not bound up in the abundance of his possessions. Jesus says in John chapter 17 in the high priestly prayer, he said, this is eternal life, that they know God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. Life is bound up in knowing God, not the abundance of our possessions. And Jesus sensed that this man had it all wrong. He was tempted. He was giving in to the temptation of greed and covetousness. He had been lured. He had been seduced by money. And he told them a parable. So he gives an illustration. He says, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. Now I want you to notice this. The man was already rich. This was a rich man that had land that multiplied its produce. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns. The barns was where he was storing his crops. But he says, I have nowhere to store my crops, this incredible abundance that had come forth from the fields. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And the key word is all. You can circle that. Not enough of my goods, enough of my grain to provide for everything that I need. All of it. Verse 19, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Literally, you have many goods stored up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. You don't have to do anything. Literally, you have stored up enough bread to provide for your daily bread for the rest of your life. You don't have to depend upon the Lord for your daily bread. You have it. You provided for yourself. 
But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared or stored up, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself. So this is how Jesus summarizes what this man has done. He has stored up treasure for himself. It's all for himself. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Being seduced by wealth or toward the love of money, greed, leads us to pride and haughtiness and self-sufficiency, self-satisfaction, slothfulness, and ultimately idolatry is the summary sin for all of this. It seduces us into thinking that our value is bound up in these things, that our life is bound up in these things, our money and possessions. That our money and possessions will give us everything that we need. That we won't have what we need if these these possessions, this money is taken away from us. So we store it up and we keep it and we guard it. Ultimately, we're being seduced into treasuring our possessions over treasuring God. Howard Dayton says this, motivations for wanting to get rich may vary, pride, greed, or an unhealthy compulsion to prepare for survival in an uncertain economic future. Now, you may not be storing up your money right now so that you can have expensive things. That may not be your struggle. But you may be storing up your wealth right now and holding on to it with all you got because of an uncertain economic future. You may have been watching the news. Everything's going to crash. So I better store up everything that I need. And you're, you're being seduced in a way into thinking that your money and your possessions will deliver you. That your money and your possessions will protect you. That your money and your possessions will provide for you. And so you look to them as your God. We're not talking about having a responsible savings plan, Gordon McDonald says. We're not talking about prudent investments, McDonald says. He says, rather it's about a mindset that puts its trust in the accumulation of things and forgets that in the final analysis, God is our security, our provider, our judge. You know you've fallen into the kind of perspective of which Jesus speaks when all you think about is how I can get more, how I can protect what I've got, how, how I can make sure that everyone knows how much I'm worth. See, your life is bound up in it, and you've been seduced. 
Because Jesus says, your, your life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. That's not what life is. The passage that we're going to be looking at next week, the continuation of this in verses 22 all the way down to verse 34, Jesus says in verse 32, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old with a treasure in heaven. Literally, store up a treasure in heaven that does not fail. Where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Your concern over getting more and keeping more is demonstrating that that's where your heart is. Your heart follows where you put your money. And that's why there's so many passages in the Scriptures dealing with money. It's revealing something about us. So this is a danger that every single one of us faces, and that's why Jesus says to the crowd, he moves from the man's question to speaking to everyone and all of us here today. Beware. Take care. Be on your guard. It's the same word that is used in the Proverbs, where Solomon says, guard your heart. Or keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Guard your heart against the deceitfulness of riches. Guard your heart against the lure, the enticement of the world, the value that the world places on riches. Don't be deceived. Your riches cannot deliver on their promises. Your riches cannot deliver on their lies. Be on your guard. Be very careful. Remember what the ESV Study Bible says. The seductive tendency towards complacency, self-sufficiency, and covetousness. Well, this is the danger that every one of us faces. But now let's look, number two, the decision every one of us must make. How do we apply this? It's a simple story that Jesus uses. Look at the key question. Look back, look back in, in verse 17. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? The land has produced plentifully. There are great profits, great gains. What should I do? And that's the question for every single one of us. What shall I do, number one, that will guard my soul from being seduced? And what shall I do, number two, that will demonstrate that God is my treasure? These are the two things tied to the question, what shall I do? 
first of all, that will guard my soul from being seduced. Well, Deuteronomy chapter 8 tells us, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 11 and following, Moses, by the Spirit, says, Take care, lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments and His rules and His statutes, which, which I command you this day. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God. Down in verse 17, beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God for it is He who gives you power to get wealth. So first of all, what we should do to guard our soul from being seduced is remember the Lord. Psalm 24 verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Haggai 2 verse 8 says, The silver is gold. The the gold is mine. The silver is mine. Everything is the Lord's. He's the owner of all. And Andrew mentioned this a little bit earlier, that when we see ourselves as the owner versus God as the owner of all and ourselves as merely the stewards, we get it all wrong. So remember the Lord, that God is the owner, that He is the giver, that everything we have comes from Him. We are merely stewards of His possessions. Secondly, remember His promises. We talked about justification by faith last week when we were looking at the Reformation Day. In Romans chapter 8, verse 31 and following, Paul says, what should we say to these things? He was talking about these glorious doctrines of justification and and being called and justified and glorified and how it is God who, who gives salvation from beginning to end. Salvation is of grace and we have security because salvation is of grace alone. And he says in verse 31, what should we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? The answer is no. We cannot be separated from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And if God has provided salvation for us, will he not graciously give us all things that we need? Is he not a good God who knows what we need and delights to provide for his children? So we don't have to worry about famine. We don't have to worry about economic insecurity that's being pronounced. We can trust the Lord, remember his promises. 
but also the way to guard our soul from being seduced is to worship the Lord. David's prayer in 1 Chronicles chapter 29 is such a model for us. This is a prayer of adoration. This is a prayer of worship. In 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 10, Therefore David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. We remember the Lord. We remember his promises. We worship the Lord, for everything comes from him. He's the owner and we are the stewards. Randy Alcorn says this, as his money managers, God trusts us to set our own salaries. We draw needed funds from his wealth to pay our living expenses. One of our central spiritual decisions is determining what is a reasonable amount to live on. Whatever that amount is, and it will legitimately vary from person to person, we shouldn't hoard or spend the excess. After all, it's his, not ours, and he has something to say about where to put it. What he's expressing is that God owns it all and that everything we have we are to be faithful managers. We're to be faithful stewards, recognizing that it is the Lord's. We are merely stewards. So remember the Lord. Remember his promises. Worship the Lord. And we see in 1 Timothy 6, the instruction to flee temptation. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. We flee. If we're in an investment club that is tempting us to value money and to put our life bound up in money, to treasure money above God, get out of the investment club. Flee. I don't know what it is for you, but that's where you're going to have to seek the Lord, ask the Lord to show you what it is that you need to do to guard yourself from being seduced by money. Flee. Run. Go the other direction. But notice what he says also, not just flee, but pursue. Pursue righteousness and godliness. Verse 11 says, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. 
Get in the Word. Abide in Christ. Pursue godliness. Pursue knowing God. Read the Scriptures as the treasure that they are so that we would know the Lord. Well, that's how to guard our souls from being seduced. But what shall I do that will demonstrate that God is my treasure? See, the evidence of the man whose soul was required of him that night was that he was not guarded in any way. His soul had been seduced by his wealth. So his conclusion was that he would just store up more and more all of it, build bigger barns to keep all of it for himself, that he would relax, eat, drink, and be merry. And Jesus summarizes it all at the end. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. That's what it means to lay up treasures for yourself is that you're doing it at the expense of being rich towards God. It's the opposite of being rich toward God. John Piper says being rich toward God is using earthly riches to show how much you value God. So what shall I do to demonstrate that God is my treasure? Worship the Lord through giving. Howard Dayton says, generous sharing is the most effective antidote to the human disease of covetousness. Giving. I want you to think about a statistic that's been around for a while. I don't know exactly what it is right now, but years ago, the average American gave 2% of their salaries to the work of the Lord. 2%. If you look back in the Old Testament as the tithe, as kind of the norm is 10%, and actually it was a lot more than that because of the, the, the multiple tithes that were given, the giving of the first fruits of the produce. There were multiple tithes. A lot of times we think, well, we're not under the law. We don't give 10%. The tithe is not for the New Testament Christian. And yet, what we have in the New Testament is the instruction towards generous giving. And if we look back at the old covenant and consider how the new covenant is a better covenant, the blessings of the new covenant are so much better than in the old covenant. Wouldn't it be silly to think that we should give less than even a, a norm in the Old Covenant? In the New Testament, generous giving is giving cheerfully and sacrificially out of our poverty. And so many times when we start talking about money and giving, we mitigate the implications by talking about time and talent. And yet Jesus is talking about our treasure. Worship the Lord through giving. 
Let me ask you, what would it demonstrate in your life if you said, you know what, I've been saving for a while and I've got enough. What if I were to give my gains from now on? What if I were to look at the, the past year in my stock portfolio and say, you know what, <laughs> the Lord has blessed me with an abundance. I've got plenty to live on. I've got plenty to set my own salary before the Lord. What if I were to give the gains as an act of worship, demonstrating that my treasure is in Him, that my trust is in Him, that He will graciously provide for me everything that I need? It's godly to leave an inheritance. Yes. But should you leave everything to your children? You can invest now in kingdom work. Randy Alcorn says, where we choose to store our treasures depends largely on where we think our home is. He says, I'm convinced that the greatest deterrent to giving is this, the illusion that earth is our home. What shall I do that will demonstrate that God is my treasure? One of the most practical things you can do is to give. And maybe you've had as a goal the tithe. And maybe you would change your thinking even today and say, you know what? I've been thinking wrong. The goal should not be 10%. That should be the beginning point of my generous giving because God has been so gracious to me through the gospel of Jesus Christ that he loved me in such a way that he sent his one and only son to pay the penalty of all my sins to reconcile me to God so that I could have forgiveness and acceptance and have eternal life. That is the richest treasure. Now, how can I express that he's my treasure? To give and to trust him, to not hoard Here's a couple questions. Will you hoard your wealth by accumulating and continuing to store up for yourself? Or will you leverage your gains for the sake of the glory of God and the advance of his kingdom? I want to leverage the gains. I want to express that, that Jesus Christ is my treasure. I want to flee from being seduced by wealth. Because money cannot deliver on its promises, on its lies. But the Lord keeps all of his promises. And he delights to provide for his people. And he will always provide enough. The question is, will we be good money managers? Will we be good stewards of that which he has entrusted to us that will not lead us into temptation? 
that will demonstrate that Jesus is our treasure. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us. Lord, give discernment by the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray that you would bring conviction. That you would search our hearts. That you would see if there be any wickedness in us. Any any way that we've been lured and seduced by wealth. Lord, would you help us to turn from that and to flee? Would you help us to repent and, and then to live in keeping with repentance that we would demonstrate in new ways that our treasure is in God? Lord, help us to not store up for ourselves, but help us to be rich towards God, to give and to share, trusting the Lord that you are good and that you care for your people. Lord, I pray for those today who may have been looking to everything in this world to provide satisfaction, to provide life. I pray that today that by your spirit that you would open their eyes to see that you cannot find life in possessions, in anything this earth has to offer, but only in Jesus Christ. And I pray that today that they would turn away from the things of the world, from away from putting their trust in the things of the world and turn to Jesus Christ for salvation, for forgiveness and acceptance, for deliverance. God, would you do that by the power of the gospel today in Jesus' name? Amen.